IndyCar fans, it's time to start your engines. Welcome to Pit Pass Indy, a production of Evergreen Podcast. I'm your host, Bruce Martin, a journalist who regularly covers the NTT IndyCar series. Our goal at Pit Pass Indy is to give racing fans an insider's view of the exciting world of the NTT IndyCar series in a fast-paced podcast featuring interviews with the biggest names in the sport. I bring nearly 40 years of experience covering IndyCar and NASCAR, working for such media brands as NBCSports.com, SI.com, ESPN Sports Ticker, Sports Illustrated, Auto Week, and Speed Sport. So let's drop the green flag on this episode of Pit Pass Indy. It was a fantastic day of IndyCar racing this past weekend in the Expel 375 at Texas Motor Speedway. The first IndyCar race of the season on an oval featured 461 passes on track, including 284 for position. That was more than the previous two IndyCar races combined at the 1.5-mile oval. Last year's doubleheader at Texas had 453 total passes and 240 for position. With more on-track racing action than the IndyCar race at Texas has featured in the recent past, it culminated with a thrilling finish between two Team Penske drivers on the final lap. Scott McLaughlin was in the lead before teammate Joseph Newgarden got the momentum and the speed to catch McLaughlin's Chevrolet and make a last turn on the last lap pass for the win. The margin of victory was just 0.0669 of a second. It was Newgarden's 21st career IndyCar win and his second at Texas Motor Speedway. But the race winner had to share the spotlight with a second-year IndyCar driver that scored his highest finish. Seven-time NASCAR Cup Series champion Jimmy Johnson competed in his first-ever IndyCar race on an oval. It came at one of his most successful tracks from the NASCAR days. Johnson started 18th and used the first 124 laps of the race to sort out his car and the competition before he was able to race his way toward the top five. After the final round of pit stops, Johnson really asserted himself. He passed both Scott Dixon and Alex Pillow in a straight-up battle on the track. He was up to seventh on lap 203. Johnson was up to sixth on lap 226 and passed Dixon for fifth on lap 236. Dixon was able to pass him back for fifth place on lap 246, two laps from the finish. But Johnson's sixth place finish was by far the best effort of his brief IndyCar career. Johnson passed 21 cars on the track, 17 for position. Seven of those passes were in the top 10, and two were in the top five. He also had the fifth fastest lap in the race. Pit Pass Indy was part of a large group of media that caught up with Johnson on pit lane after Sunday's great finish for a driver in a completely different form of racing. Jimmy, you said you expected a big move up, and you got it today. At what point, uh, which pass, when you passed below or when you passed Scott Dixon, did you really feel the confidence? I would say after the first green flag pit stop, my confidence really came up. I had a good sequence and made up a spot or two on track and um, came out uh, you know, around some really competitive cars and fell 
you know, fell right in line and was, was fine. So that really helped my confidence at that point. Today's why you made the decision to get out here and race. It was an oval, something you're familiar with. How much did the sensation really come back to you? What you could do on an oval? Yeah, it took, it took 124 laps at least before I kind of got into my, my comfort zone. And honestly, I think what Will just mentioned as he walked by that once the tires got old and I was able to feel the car slip and slide, I could then understand what the cues were from the car. And these cars are so flat and stable that I, I've just been afraid to find the edge and make a mistake. So once I worked through a set of old tires, things really came to life for me and off I went. Did you make a statement today? I, I don't know. I, I feel like I did in my head, <laughs> in my uh, in my world. I mean, this is the world I came from, um, but I just can't I can't express how different this world is than the world I came from. This is a huge step in having a successful you know month in May um, at the at the Brickyard. Granted, it's going to be a new track and a, and a whole new learning curve, but um, all the laps that I logged in the last two days are going to be so helpful heading to the 500. On the street and road courses, you've had to put up with some slow learning and getting used to the car and all that but when you when you get to the oval though just how much did this start to feel like a glove to you it felt uh it felt pretty comfortable starting yesterday but until i really got in the race and made big changes with the tools in the car and made pit stops higher pressure adjustments you know slipping and sliding on track it just was tough to tough to find the edge and, and just all the laps that I was able to make today really helped me find where the edge was with the front axle of the car, the rear axle of the car, how to carry momentum, shifting, where and when to shift, why to shift. You know, there's so many little nuances with these cars that you never had to think about in a cup car. Yeah, really, really happy. I mean, I, I know I have a very steep hill to climb on the road and street courses, um, but coming to an oval and, and you know, doing what I think I felt I could do in my heart, and I certainly know Chip feels he can do, that I can do in his heart, uh, feels really good. The first half of the race, you drove rather cautiously. Was that because you were starting back in 18th? I was feeling my way, and man, it was just awful that far back in traffic, you know? So as soon as I would find a little confidence, I would have a big save and scare myself and back off and then tiptoe my way back in. But I really feel like after the first round of pit stops, I got enough laps. I understood how to slip and slide the car around. We made good adjustments. I was comfortable using my tools and that whole next stint was just better. And, and I worked my way forward. And then the next set of tires, when I had the fuel mixture to go at the start of a run, I was able to zip by guys and, and work up and then have to save fuel again. So I, I just, I feel like the cadence, the adjustments, how and when to be aggressive, all that started to make a lot more sense. You can't just go out there and hold it wide open, zip around. You know, you got you to figure out when to when to use your aggression, and that really just started to come to me as the race went on. What did Dixon say to you afterwards? Uh, in typical driver fashion, he was mad his car wasn't fast enough to win. <laughs> just typical racer. So you're just like you're one of the guys. He told, he told, yeah, exactly. He told me a great job, but he was he was uh, less happy with finishing fifth, and he wanted to win, of course. I asked you at the beginning of the season if you feel like an NASCAR driver or an IndyCar driver. Do you feel like an IndyCar driver now? I'm feeling more like one. It's still, the scale still tilts towards NASCAR, but it's uh, it's getting closer to center. What did you find in that top groove to run up there where so many IndyCar drivers have had trouble up there? Yeah, I obviously have a lot of experience doing it. Um, I watched Graham Rahal use it quite effectively at the beginning of the race, and I just studied him. He passed me two or three times up there. Um, I watched him pass a car or two in front of me up there and just watched his line and watched where he could be aggressive and, and then started to make it work. Um, I really never had the confidence to try in terms one and two like Graham did, but three and four I found a little window to run in and, and make it work. How important is it to run behind other Indy cars and do that learning in a race? Yeah, I mean, you, 
in in the game in the race that's when when a driver learns the most and you know, it's one thing to watch video but to feel the g-forces to feel the aerodynamics affect the car understand where the weight on the tires are then to use the gas then to carry the momentum around the top like there's a whole sequence of events that needs to happen and when you're following a car and you you can see him do it then the light bulb goes off you're like oh okay now now i see why what how and then you try to apply that and go Pit Pass Indy also caught up with Johnson's teammate at Chip Ganassi Racing, Scott Dixon, for his initial comments on pit lane. How was your race, and what did you think of the racing in Texas in general? Sideways in the box, and then uh, somehow I selected second gear, and it burnt the clutch, so we had no clutch for the last few stops. Luckily, must have had a little bit of slip left in it, so when we did launch, it actually did slip enough to get uh, you know out of the box. So um, yeah, I, I don't know. I feel like the car was definitely a top three, um, and honestly, I think we probably had you know good speed to, to go for the win and fuel economy. I think the you know the Honda did a great job with fuel economy there. What did you think of the racing product in general? Because that was obviously a big target. Yeah, I think it was definitely better. I think for a lot of people, it was actually quite surprising how good the second lane was. Um, you know, I definitely did you know quite a few passes around the outside uh, into one. Um, if you got hung up there, you know, it's nice to use the entry to one and then get back down by two if you could carry the momentum. Um, but even, you know, I think that was it the 21 car was, was definitely making the second group work quite well. It's just hard. You don't know the risk versus reward, you know, to, to try it and see if it sticks or not. And when you go for championships, you know, you kind of sometimes make a little bit of different choices, but that kind of hurts you sometimes too. So um, I think the racing product was, was definitely good. I think the wind definitely, the headwind into one helped a lot just because it, you know, gave the leading car uh, a lot of drag. What was your battle like with Jimmy Johnson at the end of the race? Yeah, it was cool. Um, I didn't, you know, because that last portion was so crazy, uh, I nearly ran into the back of the 77 because uh, he was going so slow, and that's where I got trained by another three cars. And Jimmy was one of them, and I was, like, going down here, and I looked at the pylon there, and I was like, man, he's he's ahead of us. <laughs> so I was like, uh, you know, we're just uh, happy that he, he did such a tremendous job. And you can see, you know, when he got out of the car, he's like, man, that was so much fun. He's like, I wish the race was just a bit longer, you know. So yeah. uh, that was that was cool to see. And, and obviously, I think it's totally what we expect. So hopefully this gives him, uh, obviously, confidence in, in the over racing, but also on the road courses. It's just so different, man. Again, just because of the stuff he has to unlearn you know that's the hard part yeah. uh, for me I was you know pretty much a rookie coming in and, and running races that you know I didn't know any different he's got to unlearn everything he's done previous and then kind of start again so um, you could see you know I think he was pretty adventurous on, on trying lines uh, which a lot of guys aren't you know and, and especially guys you know, like myself that have been in the in the series long enough that you, you kind of maybe don't always do that, but you know, it was fun to, to race him. And How important is it for this effort that he's doing that he gets something like that to kind of shut up the people that are like, why is he even doing this? Uh, you know, I don't think that really comes into it. You know, Jimmy uh, wants to do it for a fun factor as one, yeah. but he's a super competitive guy, right? So, you know, that's what it comes down to. So. Um, I'm pretty sure Jimmy doesn't care what people think. Yet in his mind, though, it shows that, hey, this is why I want to try this. To get um, better, to have some success. Yeah, you know, we're all competitive people. He's a seven-time NASCAR champion. Yeah. He didn't race NASCAR to, to have fun or, or, you know, just do it for jollies. So, um, you know, this definitely helps, I think, uh, maybe his mindset, but yeah. hopefully for, for, you know, the other tracks and stuff, too. We'll be right back to Pit Pass Indy after this short break. 
In the world of racing, Penske means performance and winning. For good reason. Since 1966, Team Penske has won 44 national championships, 17 in IndyCar alone. And last year, Team Penske claimed its Indianapolis 500 record-extending 19th Indy 500 win with Joseph Newgarden, the latest driver, to win the famed race. Team Penske also won its second straight NASCAR Cup Series championship. In 2022, Penske was the first team in history to win both the IndyCar and the NASCAR Cup Series championships in the same season. Team Penske enters the 2024 NTT IndyCar Series season with 236 IndyCar wins, including 34 500-mile race victories. Those are results that are tough to top. But Penske's legendary reputation for quality and attention to detail makes a statement off the track, too. When you need a truck, whether for your business or for a household move, Penske Truck Rental has some of the cleanest, newest, and best-maintained vehicles on the road. And we make it easy with personalized support from our associates, flexible reservations, and access to the top technology. With quick pickup and drop-off at more than 2,500 locations across North America, our scale and know-how will keep you covered, all helping to ensure you get the right, reliable, fuel-efficient vehicle when and where you need it. On the highways, the raceways, and every pit stop in between, Penske keeps you moving forward. Gain ground with Penske. Get a quote today at PenskeTruckRental.com or for household rentals, download the Penske Truck Rental mobile app today. Oh, by the way, it was Newgarden who won the race. It was the 600th racing victory for Team Penske, counting all forms of racing. Team owner Roger Penske, who also owns IndyCar, the Indianapolis Motor Speedway, and the Indianapolis 500, rewarded his driver with six crisp new $100 bills in victory lane as an added bonus to the team's race winnings. Here is my interview with Joseph Newgarden after winning Sunday's Expel 375 for Pit Pass Indy. Joseph Newgarden is going to really remember his 21st career victory. His second at Texas Motor Speedway, it was a come-from-behind victory where you passed your teammate, Scott McLaughlin, on the last turn of the last lap. Every driver dreams of winning a race like that. What was the emotions when you were able to pull that off? Well, it was certainly surprising to me that the opportunity presented itself that final corner, um, but I just went for it. You know, for me, it was, uh, it was a, you know, make it or break it. You know, I was, I was going to see what was going to happen. I went for broke and uh, it stuck on the high side. And, you know, the lap traffic that was, you know, holding me back from getting a run on Scott is what ended up helping me on the final corner. So just so cool. I couldn't believe, uh, couldn't believe the way it worked out. You know, just so pleased for our team. Scott did an amazing job. So there should be uh, nothing taken away from him either. Did I hear you right where you say you had conceded the victory to Scott in the closing laps before you decided to say, you know, let's go for it and see where the car sticks. Yeah, I pretty much did. You know, my, I was I was wearing the thing out just trying to get a run on him. And I, you know, used up my tires a lot just trying to work him over. But, you know, he had the toe from the lap track traffic in front, so it was hard to do anything. Um, and I just thought, you know, I'd, I'd done everything I could. I just, I didn't have the, I didn't have the positioning that I needed to win this race. And, uh, 
you know, I, like I said, that, that window, that opportunity, it just opened up last minute and I tried to stay ready. I guess I was still ready for it. There was a concern that it would only be a one groove track, but it seemed like at least a half groove, maybe another groove opened up as the race went on. How did the track surface feel to you? Yeah, it, it did open up. You know, we got there and we got half a lane at least. And then, you know, I went up a full lane on that final lap. So um, I think the work from yesterday, just trying to work in the groove, it definitely made a difference. Your 21st career victory, but it is team owner Roger Penske's 600th career win. That's a huge number. How do you account for that? I know you have an extra $600 in your pocket for winning the race, but when you think 600 wins, that's a huge number. Yeah, well, you know, RP, he's the he's the man. The organization is uh, unbelievable to drive for. It takes a lot of sweat from a lot of people to get to 600 wins. It's almost becoming comical at this point. Um, but when you really think about it and the magnitude that was, you know, put into the, all these victories, it's, it's a tremendous amount of work over 50-plus years. So, yeah, to be here as we're still, you know, accelerating this, you know, total victory count past 600 is, is pretty remarkable. Team Penske had a very good day. All three drivers finished in the top five. After the season you had last year, how important is that for the team? Yeah, it's big. You know, we've, we've definitely come out of the gates firing. There's been a lot of work from everybody on the team to be better, and we knew we needed to be. Um, and I think you're seeing that today. So just incredibly proud of all the effort all the all the team has done and you know happy that they're getting rewarded with the results and also jimmy johnson seven-time nascar cup series champion finished six he was running he'd actually passed scott dixon late in the race for fifth place dixon got him back but that's a pretty good finish for a driver who's only been in indycar racing now for less than a full season yeah remarkable i don't know how you know, he's caught on so quick. I mean, I guess it's got to have something to do with his seven championships in stock car racing. He's pretty, you know, he's a pretty uh, good shoe. So, um, yeah, you got to be happy for him. I think this result's probably, you know, very much welcome. Um, and I'm sure he had a lot of fun today. Do you think that makes him a legitimate uh, name, a legitimate challenger at Indy? Yeah, I think it's got to, right? You know, he's that's six in your first race at Texas. That's pretty good. <laughs> Now, moving on, we've got the Acura Grand Prix of Long Beach coming up, you know, a, a premier race. How important would that be for Joseph Newgarden to, you know, go out there and keep this uh, momentum going heading into the month of May? Yeah, it'd be great. I'm still, you know, still working on it, um, trying to win that race, finish second a couple times, and it would be big for us to just follow this up with another win. I know you have a flight to catch, but when you kind of look back at the whole weekend here at Texas, it's a little up in the air whether we'll be back or not because attendance has been down. Track still puts on pretty good racing, even though the PJ1 has messed the track up a little bit. But how important is it to get the fans engaged to come back here? Or do you even see that it, we may not be back? I, I love Texas. I'd love to be back. You know, I think you, everyone saw a good race today. I think we can we can keep improving that second lane. So, you know, it's not up to us, but hopefully we're, we're back here. Team Penske's Joseph Newgarden, congratulations on your second Texas victory and your 21st career win. Thank you for joining us on Pit Pass Indy. Thank you. One of the partners involved in Johnson's effort at Chip Ganassi Racing is the American Legion. The 103-year-old Veterans Service Organization is the major associate sponsor for Chip Ganassi Racing with Jimmy Johnson. The Legion will also be the full sponsor on 2013 Indianapolis 500 winner and 2004 IndyCar champion Tony Kanan's Honda in the 106th Indianapolis 500. 
It will also serve as the sponsor on defending NTT IndyCar Series champion Alex Pelot's car in selected races this season. The American Legion's campaign is to create awareness for preventing veteran suicide, as well as encouraging current and former service members to join the organization. Last week, the American Legion became an official charitable partner with IndyCar and will have a presence at every event this season in the first year of a multi-year deal. Our feature interview is with Dean Kessel, the Chief Marketing Officer of the American Legion. Kessel joins Pit Pass Indy to explain the Legion's goals, as well as a few things IndyCar fans may not know about the American Legion and its connection to the Indianapolis 500 and the Indianapolis Motor Speedway. We're going to switch gears now on Pit Pass Indy. Our guest is Dean Kessel, the Chief Marketing Officer of the American Legion, who is the driving force behind the Legion's major associate sponsorship with Chip Ganassi Racing and driver Jimmy Johnson. You also made some big news earlier this week with IndyCar. Could you tell our listeners a little bit about that big news? Hey, Bruce, thanks so much for having me on today. And and uh, yeah, we did make some news, um, sort of an extension of, of in our year two of our sort of motorsports platform, in uh, working out a relationship with um, uh, the series to become an official charity partner. So uh, last year it was all about, you know, who we were as far as being the American Legion and our relationship with Chip Ganassi and, as you mentioned, Jimmy Johnson. And now we're sort of diving a little bit deeper into our 2.0 iteration um, and doing much more activation at the track. Um, That's one of the big uh, elements that's allowing us to do that. Um, we've got a big mobile marketing presence, uh, presence uh, at the track this year, uh, launching it in Texas, and then it'll be at every venue beyond that. So working with our local legionnaires, our local posts, our local departments, uh, and trying to get some activation around that as well. So pretty exciting stuff. The fact that you were able to make the announcement that you were an official partner of IndyCar the same week that your driver, Jimmy Johnson, was competing in his first oval at one of his most successful tracks from his NASCAR days, and also the unveiling of the activation unit. Those were all three pretty big moments of the weekend. I don't know whether you planned it that way, but if you did, it turned out pretty well. Uh, sure, I'll, I'll take the credit for that. Yeah, perfect planning on our part. Actually, you know, we, we would have liked to have had the mobile uh, marketing piece in St. Pete, but we just couldn't get it turned around in time. So, But it worked out well. I mean, you know, this being Jimmy's first oval at, to your point, a track he's done very, very well at. Um, we're, we're glad to be a part of that. And then the, the launch of our relationship with IndyCar, them being able to help amplify our voice and what we're doing from a membership and a donation standpoint. Um, and then, uh, obviously, uh, the launch of our mobile activities, you know, all three are pretty important to us as we continue to use this platform to drive membership, drive awareness, and uh, candidly drive donations. I mean, we have 1.8 million members. Um, we do a lot on Capitol Hill to ensure that veterans get their benefits and ensure that they're taken care of. Um, We have a whole office in Washington, D.C. that's dedicated to nothing but policy and legislation and ensuring that uh, we hold everybody accountable and make sure veterans get what they deserve. A lot of people may not realize this, but Indianapolis, of course, is the home of the Indianapolis Motor Speedway, 
the Indianapolis 500, the Speedway opened in 1909. Indianapolis is also the home to the American Legion National Headquarters, a service veterans organization that began in 1919. They're both over 100 years old. You got together in 2021. I guess this program was really 100 years in the making. Yeah, that's a good way, good way to put it. Yeah, we just, um, this week, we uh, celebrated 103 years of our service uh, to, to the veteran community. So, yeah, I mean, you know, it's a great partnership with IndyCar. You know, we'll be doing a lot around the Indy 500 uh, this year, as we did last year. You know, obviously the date of that being Memorial Weekend, which is a big time of honor and remembrance. And we want to certainly take advantage of that. And we've got we've got a couple special things planned for the 500 as well um, that we will talk about at a later time. But it's going to be it's going to be good. We're, you know, having IndyCar right there, you know, uh, a little a little known story about that is before the Holman family bought the Speedway, the American Legion had an opportunity to buy it. And they didn't, they didn't do it, obviously. But, you know, that's sort of some of the history of the Legion and what they've done over the, over the years, over the century, um, that a lot of people aren't aware of. I mean, American Legion Baseball, Babe Ruth helped get that going for us uh, way back when. Um, you know, we, uh, the American Legion donated the seed money to start the American Heart Association. So there's just all these things that, that the organization has done in its history. Um, but tying the two iconic organizations in Indianapolis, the Speedway and the Legion, is, is kind of a natural. And also the natural being the Indianapolis 500 Memorial Day weekend, honoring those who have given their life to the service of America. And, of course, that's what the Legion honors 365 days a year, perfect combination for Memorial Day weekend, as you say. And I'm sure there's been a lot of Legionnaire support that have gone to the 500 throughout the last 100 or so years. And now to be able to be really part of that from the inside, how valuable is that? What's the reaction you see from some of these combat veterans, frankly, that had fought in the Vietnam War or the Gulf War, or maybe even going all the way back before that. Yeah, the reception that we've had of our our partnership in IndyCar, you know, both from the Ganassi perspective and now with what we're doing with IndyCar, our our members really like it and are enjoying it. And, you know, it's it's a sense of pride to see your um, your brand out there week to week. And as you know, you know, uh, motorsports is followed uh, by the military and by the veteran community. It, it indexes very high from a segmentation perspective. And so we're, we're where we want to be with it. We know our members and our potential members are there in that space as well. So it's a, it's a perfect fit from a pure marketing standpoint for us to do that. But, you know, around the 500, you just can't get any more patriotic uh, as far as what, what takes place there. And the Speedway does a great job of, of honoring veterans in the military during that time frame. I mean, it's, uh, you know, it just, it gives me chills just to think about everything that does happen there. And, and, you know, this year now, you know, there's going to be 300 plus thousand folks there. Last year it was a, a great addition, but, you know, half the size that it usually is. So um, we're just, we're honored to be a part of it. You know, we'll be running a, a Legion liveried car during the 500. It'll be Tony Kanaan, who, you know, has won that race before, has won championships before. And uh, we're just excited to have TK in our car, sporting our colors um, with a real chance to win. And, you know, being in a Ganassi car, you've always got a chance to win. So 
We're excited about that. Jimmy is going to be doing some special things uh, to help us honor and remember veterans there as well. More to, more to come on that. So we'll have our, our brand on the 48 car for his monumental race. And then we'll have uh, Tony Kanaan in, in our, our liveried car there at the 500 as well. So it's going to be a big, big week for us. Across the street from the Indianapolis Motor Speedway across Georgetown Road is Speedway Post 500, appropriately numbered yep. 500. That kind of becomes a union station, if you uh, uh, can want to call it that, of Legion members during race week who come in from all over the country. Sure. They kind of congregate at Speedway Post 500. There's a lot of fellowship that goes on there. Yeah. You know, a lot of getting together and, and and food and entertainment. How valuable is that post, especially that week, in oh. order to just kind of entertain out-of-town legionnaires? It's iconic. Um, you know, and it's a destination during, during you know, the month of May and, and everything that goes on there. And they do a great job. I mean, they have a great relationship with the Speedway, a great relationship with Roger. Um, you know, there's just a lot of stuff that takes place there during those multiple weeks around the 500. Um, you know, they, they sell parking spots out there. They make a good chunk of change uh, to support their own efforts throughout the year. So, yeah, it is a complete destination for our members to congregate, to come out and, and enjoy the camaraderie of, of being with your fellow veterans and then being right directly across the street from the Speedway doesn't hurt either. While the American Legion may be new to motorsports, Dean Kessel certainly is not new to motorsports. You and I go way back to uh, the NASCAR days. Correct. If you could just capsulate your career, how yeah. it started, and how you got to the point you are today. Well, it's a, it's an interesting, uh, that's a good point, Bruce. It's an interesting journey. Um, I started at uh, R.J. Reynolds as an intern and uh, on Winston Cup and worked there. And then... Um, RJR uh, decided to use their sports marketing enterprise division to start working with outside clients. So outside the Winston brand or the Camel brand and their first client was Lowe's. And so I worked on the Lowe's business and um, we were able to bring Lowe's into NASCAR and uh, with, uh, I'm going to date myself, but Brett Bodine drove a Junior Johnson car for the first Lowe's iteration. And then we went over to... Um, uh, Richard Childress and Mike Skinner when there was a second car, the 31. And then Lowe's decided to take a lot of their sports marketing internal uh, as they were growing like crazy, building 125 stores a year at one point. Um, they wanted to get a little bit more centralized with it. So they hired me from RJR to run all their sports marketing. So while I was there, um, had the opportunity to um, do the first naming rights of a Speedway, so we ended up doing uh, the naming rights at and calling it Lowe's Motor Speedway in Charlotte for a decade, which was a, a great, great program. Uh, not only did we have the naming rights at Charlotte track, but then we had exclusivity at every other SMI property. So we were the lone home improvement category that could do anything at those at those venues. And if you remember, Bruce, you know, that was when the sport was exploding. You know, the late 90s, early 2000s, it just skyrocketed. Uh, and we were... You know, the big thing with Lowe's was, you know, treating it as more of a media buy, you know, and, and it was very efficient for us because the sport was growing at the same way that NASCAR was into Texas, into Las Vegas, you know, out the West Coast. So we were mirroring that growth. So it was a perfect fit for us. Um, I then went to ESPN for a number of years. Actually, right before I left, 
at Lowe's, uh, I signed this kid named Jimmy Johnson, who turned out to be a pretty good driver in the NASCAR series and uh, a 17-year relationship with Hendrick Motorsports and Lowe's, which I don't know if that's the longest, but it's got to be one of the longest that, that was that was part of a, a team, seven championships. So I spent a little bit of time at ESPN running a division that they acquired in the outdoor space called Bass. Um, and uh, we were trying to kind of actually turn that into another NASCAR with bass fishing. Um, couldn't quite get it all the way we wanted to, but but it was a good run for a while. And then when Sprint and Nextel merged, um, I had the opportunity to come back into motorsports and run the Sprint Cup Series for a number of years there. Um, and then um, did a couple of little things on my own, but um, had an opportunity. Uh, this is how things all come full circle. One of the board members at the Legion was the general counsel at Lowe's when I was there and we did all these deals together. And he said, you know, we, we'd really like to sort of centralize our marketing and grow our membership and think through how we would evolve as an organization. You know, how do we make this hundred year old brand relevant for the next hundred years? So I took this opportunity and, you know, here comes the full circle part, looking for something to do different with the Legion that they've never done. Uh, when I heard Jimmy was thinking about getting into IndyCar, I, I reached out to the Ganassi folks and said, look, we'd, we'd like to be a part of that. You know, can, can we catch lightning in a bottle twice? You know, we did it at Lowe's when I was there. And now working um, with Jimmy again, you know, 20 years later has been really great for us. And, you know, he has military in his, in his family. You know, his grandfathers both served. So he understands what we're trying to do, how important our mission is. So it's really, you know, kind of come full circle to work with Jimmy again 20 years later and his efforts to do something that, you know, nobody's ever done before. I mean, it's, it's amazing to be a part of it. And um, it's working for our organization. It worked for Lowe's. And I feel confident that a motorsports platform and what we want to do here with the American Legion will, will work there as well. When you first presented this idea to the American Legion, what was the response? Um, Candidly, the response was was uh, was was pretty positive, uh, you know. But they had done um, they had done sort of a quasi sponsorship for an ARCA driver back in uh, many many years ago, and it didn't necessarily leave a great taste in their mouths. The people that were there because they didn't really kind of understand it. But they didn't, you know, nobody's fault. They just didn't know what they were doing. So when I presented this, we had a little bit of a challenge to say, "Hey, we've already done this." And, you know, I was like, well, you, you've not done what I'm talking about doing. You've done, you know, a, you put your logo on a car and that was basically it. This is an integrated marketing approach that has activation elements behind it. We bought media on NBC last year. I mean, our goal at the Legion is to drive membership, to drive donation dollars and to create partnerships. And that's sort of what my mission is. So this lets us do that in this space. Um, but once I was able to sort of define the metrics and talk about the opportunity, it, it did not take long for people to, to get behind it and get engaged. And now that they see it come to life, I mean, as you know, motorsport sponsorship is dynamic. You know, it's not just slapping your logo on a car, right? You have the opportunity to bring it to life. And that's really what's key to it. it, it this platform has the ability and does impact multiple areas of our organization, our membership, our brand. We sell merchandise out of it. We get donations out of it. We're able to talk about it, you know, in the media. I mean, it's it just has a lot of facets to it. So I'm I'm a big believer in it versus, you know, another uh, sign at a stadium that really doesn't do a whole lot for you. And from IndyCar's standpoint, the Legion has between two to three million members. 
which is two to three million potential new fans. So there's value from that side of it also. If you could discuss how valuable yeah. that part is. Yeah, I mean, we're is. already working. You know, when we go, so, so the partnership with IndyCar from a league perspective is, you know, they're about driving people to their events. Well, we have that, as you mentioned, those millions of folks that are in these markets. I think when we presented our our opportunity to go into it, it was close to 700,000 of our members are in and around the tracks that we already go to from a, from a, a series perspective, from a seasonality. So we're already working with some of the promoters in those uh, venues to how can we drive veterans out? How can they sell tickets? How can we bring exposure to them as well? So it's, you know, we have the grassroots capability to activate at a local level it's important for the promoters to drive attendance, uh, to drive engagement, and we have the ability to do that. So, you know, the folks at IndyCar are already making connections for us at at tracks with the promoters, and we've got a couple of things that we're already working on for this year. And the fact that we see more Legionnaires at IndyCar races prior to 2021, you might see one here or there. Now we see groups of them. They're very proud. Uh, they wear their caps. They come out here and uh, they're very proud of this relationship. And, you know, they're, they're entertained. They like motorsports. I mean, it's our, our, our members are fans. And now we have an opportunity to give them access and opportunities to do things that they couldn't ordinarily do. It's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a big pride thing. And to have a driver like Jimmy Johnson, you couldn't pick a better spokesman. Everybody that meets him talks about how great he is, how gracious he is, what a nice guy he is. You know, the fact that he does have military uh, background with people in his family. How big of a home run is that to have this guy as your front guy? Well, you know, uh, when I pitched it last year, I, I felt confidently, and I still believe this, that when Jimmy started in IndyCar, you know, when he walked through the paddock last year, the first race was in Barber because of COVID. Um, he's the most popular IndyCar driver they've ever had. You know, look at his following, look at his uh, social presence, you know, the NASCAR following that's now over here. I mean, I, I walk through the garage and the, and the paddock here and, you know, you see a lot of Lowe's uh, paraphernalia, 48. I mean, his fans will, are going to follow him. So, from a home run standpoint, it, it's doing what we want to do with it. We produced two TV spots with Jimmy last year. We're going to run those again this year. I mean, he indexes very highly from a from a Q rating. So we know that people are interested in what he's doing. And, you know, look at the media attention he's gotten this weekend here in Texas with, you know, this being his first IndyCar. Now, you know, we're already doing some pretty cool things around the 500. That's going to be iconic to have a seven-time NASCAR champion run his first Indy 500. It's it's going to be exciting. So we feel like we made the right decision. Jimmy is a big advocate of what we do and how we do it. And, um, you know, when he's with our membership, you know, they really, they really resonate with him. He's also one of the most successful drivers in NASCAR history, which means it's almost like, in some ways, Larry Bird or Magic Johnson switching from the NBA to the NHL, the crossover from, you know, they're both race cars, but they're as drastically different as you can come. So it's been a struggle as far as performance and statistics. We all see his improvement. Those of us in racing who were able to determine that, see how he's improved since he got here. But a lot of the fans are used to him out there 
challenging for race victories and winning races and championships. How do you describe to them what it's uh, that he can still be out there racing, having fun, and it does absolutely nothing in terms of a reflection of just how great a driver he was when he was in NASCAR? No, Bruce, I think, you know, you've been around this sport a long time. I have too. You know, what he's doing is monumental. Like it is, it is Herculean what he's trying to do. And, uh, you know, I, I think people think, well, what's the big deal? A car is a car. This is not a car. I mean, you know, the, the, the dynamics, the downforce on this thing is completely different. You know, here in Texas, you know, the, the cadence of a cup car going around here, you can hear it in the engine. You know, it's flat out and then you come off of it and then it's flat out. And you can hear it's just flat out. You know, and then put your other foot on top of the accelerator and hold it down as long as you can get around there. So I think Chip told you last year, um, which I think is a great quote, that Jimmy is like a, a climbing a mountain in the fog. He doesn't realize how close he is to the top. And I think he's still doing that. I think he's going to be pretty competitive here on these ovals. I mean, he's got a lot of a lot of experience here. A lot of it will translate, but he's still learning. I talked to him yesterday at, at an event we had at our mobile marketing for our Legionnaires, you know, and he's, there's still a little bit left in the car, you know, that he doesn't have yet, um, that, that he'll, he'll tweak a little bit for the race. But I, what he's doing is, is unparalleled. Nobody's ever done what he's trying to do, and he's got a smile on his face every time he gets out of the car. So we're okay with that. So you have the Jimmy Johnson aspect, the Chip Ganassi aspect, and now you're beginning a new aspect with IndyCar, which will be a multi-year program that you have with them as a partner. So no matter what Jimmy Johnson does at the end of 2022, the American Legion is still going to be involved in IndyCar, which has to be a very positive thing for what you've been trying to do. It's very positive. You know, our our relationship with IndyCar is a multi-year deal. Our relationship with Chip is a multi-year deal. So, you know, we are looking to keep both of those things going for the long term. You know, from a marketer's perspective, you cannot get in and out of something and expect to have a lot of results. You got to you gotta have the equity in it. You know, like I said, you know, at Lowe's, you know, just the Jimmy Johnson era was 17 years of sponsorship. And I'm telling you, with the analytics that are available at Lowe's and what they want to do there, if it wasn't working, they wouldn't have spent the money on it. I promise you that. Um, same thing when I was at Sprint, you know, Sprint Cup Series. We spent a lot of money, as you well know, a lot of money on that sponsorship, but we knew it delivered for us. Um, we could see the value of it from year to year to year. So y- you don't just throw money at it and and hope it works. You know, as my dad used to say, hope is not a plan. So you have to be very methodical about this. And we are. We've got metrics in place. We know the, the, the deliverables that we want to see on this. So, you know, I can, you know, if I have anything to do with it, we're going we're gonna to be in this for a good while. And um, it's going to be important to our membership and important to our fan base. And, and it'll deliver for us. The American Legion is reporting for duty with IndyCar, and they're ready to uh, start their invasion of the 106th Indianapolis 500 on Memorial Day weekend. Uh, Chief Marketing Officer of the American Legion, Dean Kessel. Congratulations so far. Good luck in the future. And thank you for joining us today on Pit Pass Indy. Thanks, Bruce. Appreciate your time today. And that puts a checkered flag on this edition of Pit Pass Indy. We want to thank our guest, seven-time NASCAR Cup Series champion and second-year IndyCar driver Jimmy Johnson. 
six-time NTT IndyCar Series champion and five-time Texas Motor Speedway winner Scott Dixon, Expel 375 race winner Joseph Newgarden of Team Penske, and Dean Kessel, the chief marketing officer for the American Legion, for joining us on today's podcast. Along with loyal listeners like you, our guests help make Pit Pass Indy your path to victory lane for all things IndyCar. For more IndyCar coverage, follow me at Twitter at Bruce Martin, one word, uppercase B, uppercase M, underscore 500. This has been a production of Evergreen Podcast. A special thanks to our production team. Executive producers are Bridget Coyne and Gerardo Orlando. Recordings and edits were done by me, Bruce Martin. And final mixing was done by Dave Douglas. Learn more at evergreenpodcast.com. Until next time, be sure to keep it out of the wall.